Welcome back to Zillennials Podcast. Today on Zillennials, we have a guest. We have Layla. So welcome, Layla. Hi. We're going to be um, talking a little bit about our food habits today. So Layla, did you want to start us off with what you ate when you were growing up? I would say I had a pretty good food childhood. (laughs) Um, My mom's side of the family is Lebanese. So we had a lot of Lebanese food, which is really cool to be um, introduced to. And it's like a pretty, (laughs) it's a pretty good way of eating too. Like it's a pretty healthy way of eating. And we were omnivores, so we kind of ate everything. And uh, I would, (laughs) I I was like picky, but in a kind of weird way. Like, I feel like a lot of you think of like kids being picky and you're like, oh, they don't eat anything green or something. But I would eat like any vegetable or like fruit or I would eat like healthy stuff that like maybe my peers wouldn't eat. But then I had like all kinds of weird things where like I couldn't eat red grapes. I could only eat green grapes or like, you know, I had weird like textural stuff. So I was like, you know, I was a pretty good eater, but like picky in kind of untypical ways. And I also, my brother had a lot of, well, still has a lot of allergies, but he still had, he had hit even more. So I feel like I also was on like the forefront of the dairy alternatives and gluten alternatives. Um, it's come a long way. Let me tell you, in 20 years, <laughs> we ate some rough early iterations of that. So yeah, I was like, you know, I would try a lot of like soy yogurt and gluten-free bread and stuff, um, which was interesting. And uh, yeah, and we liked, you know, my parents would like take us to different types of restaurants and stuff. And, you know, where we grow up, there's like a lot of different kinds of foods available. So um, I feel like we're exposed to a lot of different kinds of cuisines, which is cool. Yeah, I totally agree with the meat, dairy, any sort of alternative things has definitely gone a lot better because when I was little, I was kind of like you, Layla, where I wasn't a picky eater in the sense of I wouldn't eat my vegetables. Like I would, my mom never had a problem with me eating vegetables or things like that. But I did go through the phase where I refused to eat onions. So she had to make everything without onions, which now that I eat onions, like cooked at least, I was like, man, that must have been rough. Because I would just refuse to eat them or I'd spend the whole meal like picking them out. But my aunts were vegetarian. So I was also kind of exposed to like, oh, Boca burgers and things like that. And I feel like to see how it's gone, not to like put down Boca burgers, but to see where it's come from that when we were little to where the options are now, if you don't want to eat meat, it's like way more variety, which I think also makes it easier. Because I think when I was little, I did eat meat. Mostly it was chicken, but I didn't really care. And then as I got older, we can get to later, but I kind of switched a little more. What about you, Kaylee? I feel like my upbringing was a little bit different from your alls's. From y'all's? I don't know. I don't know how to say that. But anyway, um, so when I was growing up, I feel like we had a lot of grilled food because my dad really likes using the grill. We had a lot of American food. and then. I would just eat like pretty much whatever my family was eating. We had, you know, quite a few vegetables, but at the same time, it's like we didn't really do like a variety of cuisines. It was pretty much like we would have the same type of thing pretty frequently. I look at it too and I'm like, I was a little bit of a picky eater, kind of like you guys were talking about. I didn't really like beef. 
I'm pretty sure I actually refused to try it until I was like 20. <laughs> so, so I ate a lot of chicken. It was great. But yeah, I mean, a lot of what I ate, we had a lot of pastas. We had a lot of things with vegetables thrown in. My parents were pretty respectful of my decision, though, to not eat beef. They were pretty good about making sure, you know, if we went somewhere, if people were going to be having meat, that I would be able to have like chicken or fish. One thing I think about now that I think all of us are cooking more for ourselves than we had in the past is how much work it takes to feed your like children every single night. Because sometimes I get back or it's like at the end of the day and the last thing I want to do is feed myself. But then you're like, well, if I don't do it, nobody's going to do it. And it's like you have to put something together. And I was like, that's like, especially you, Kaylee, is because I think we talked about before is you never really had too many leftovers left because your family's bigger than mine. Whereas my mom could make a recipe and because most recipes are a minimum, you know, four to six servings is we would a lot of times have leftovers. So that helps. But to have to make a new meal every night just sounds exhausting. Oh my gosh, I know. I think about it with my parents. And I'm like, I don't know how they did it. Like occasionally we would like, you know, I think a lot of the times on Fridays we would like carry out from somewhere else. And that was like kind of what they did to offset it. We would call it Friday Anything Goes, where it was like, oh, you wanted to watch TV during dinner? You could do that on Fridays. And we would typically like pick up from a restaurant then. But no, they cooked a lot of homemade meals. And a lot of the times, I mean, looking back at it, I'm like, that's a lot of dedication. That's a lot of dishes. And that's a lot of, um, it's just a lot of time to be cooking. Yeah, especially if you have other people, you have to make like concessions for the kids, various, either, you know, things that they have to avoid or things that they're choosing to avoid. I think also it's this balance between different people have different preferences, even if you're a kid, and also in a way kind of forcing your kid to have a balanced diet. Because it's like you don't want to make them eat something that they actually don't like, but you also want to make sure they're not living off mac and cheese. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's probably really hard to like introduce a new food that a child is resistant to without like forcing them so much that their like instinct is just like to throw a tantrum and be like, no. <laughs> but like you really want them to have that experience or that nutrition. <laughs> I feel like that's also probably part of the reason why people are like, let's introduce different fruits and vegetables to children early is because they're like, well, if they like it, then they'll continue to like it and they won't remember a time when they didn't have it or they didn't like it because they'll have already tried it and liked it. Yeah. Although apparently there are like some things that I don't eat now that my parents and family claim that I ate as like a very small child. <laughs> Like, I really don't like raw tomatoes. It's like a big thing for me. And they say that I would eat them as, you know, as like a toddler. And I have no memory of that. So <laughs> I feel like mine's kind of similar. I apparently used to just, when I was little, I would just eat raw red onions, just, I don't know, just off the salads or whatever, which I think now I would in a small amount because I think red onions are kind of more palatable raw. But that was when I was in my no onion phase. You know, my mom or whoever would always be like, you know, you used to eat the red onions raw. And I was like, yeah, well, now I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I really had a phase of like not liking something that I liked when I was younger. I probably did and just was never told about it. But one thing that I do have to say, though, this kind of reminds me of a, a story about my little brother. So one time 
I think he was probably in like preschool because he was doing half days at the school and then half of his days would be like at home. I remember one day I came home from school and I saw that there was watermelon along the bottom of our chair. And I looked at it and I asked my mom, I was like, mom, why is, why is there watermelon on our chair? And she just goes and yells for my little brother. And apparently what he had done is he wanted to eat, I don't know, a sweet or something after. And she said, well, you need to finish all your watermelon first. And I guess he must have not really liked it. And so he just put it along the chair <laughs> and she didn't notice until I got home. It made me laugh. Oh, that's funny. I remember when I think this was maybe when I was in middle school and, you know, like your parents are still kind of feeding you in the morning and that kind of thing. And so my mom would give me oatmeal. I think it was like the instant like you pop in the microwave one. And I wasn't the biggest fan of it. But then my cat, Bob, liked oatmeal. And so what I do is I would like eat a bite and then like I would take like a bit and like feed it to him. (laughs) which I thought was fantastic because I was like, I feel like people think you have to have a dog to be able to like feed the food. But it's like he would eat the oatmeal. I wouldn't give him a lot because, you know, he's a cat. But like I was very amused by the fact he would eat my oatmeal for me. Did either of you have like a like a designated candy jar that was like put away from like like out of reach or something like that? We had like, when I was like really little, we had, you know, when we had like Halloween candy or something, it would be like put aside and like put on top of the fridge. And then, you know, we would like, my parents would like dole it out as was (laughs) appropriate. But there were definitely a couple of times where I like climbed up and like (laughs) opened it. I don't think I had one of those, but I know when I was really little, like before preschool, I guess I didn't eat much processed food or sweets or anything at all. And then I went to preschool and started going to birthday parties where there'd be candy and pizza. And then my mom at that point was like, you know, we can't stop it now. Like we might as well. It's kind of more of a moderation thing after that, because I think once your kid starts going to school and sees what's out there, then they're going to start wanting it. Yeah. Like now that I'm thinking about it, I, I feel like we ate like pretty, I wouldn't even say like super like earthy crunchy or anything like that, but we didn't have a lot of brand name junk food, I would say. <laughs> like we had like chips in the house and stuff, but you know, it would be like Whole Foods chips. <laughs> so I definitely was like very fascinated by junk food. When I would see commercials on TV for like, you know, fruit roll-ups or something, that was like, I was like, wow, like I wonder what that's like. <laughs> it was like so it was like very exciting to me when I like went to someone's house and they had like that sort of like brand name junk food that was advertised on TV. I was thought that was like super exciting. <laughs> we would sometimes have like brand name junk food in my house, but the way that it kind of got into our house was whenever my parents went shopping and they took us with, they would tell us each that you could pick out one thing to buy. And so my brothers and I, we would each get to pick out one thing. So like if we wanted to try the brand name junk food, like we could pick it out. I like that. I think that's a good (laughs) strategy. Good compromise because then there's not too much. You know, it's like just a little. Just once in a while I have like a... And then because most of the time it's like... It's not like the best thing in the world usually. So if you have it a couple times, you're not going to be as like obsessed with it. My mom did the same thing. I remember a lot of times I would pick out a Lunchable or like a kid's cuisine or something. I remember potato sticks. I thought they were so cool, which makes no sense because they're literally just potato chips. But I think part of it too is like a almost sort of like 
bribery method to get your kid through the shopping trip because I feel like as a child it's not very exciting but then you're like oh if I behave I can pick something special out and it's like my thing and they can't say no you know what they used to do at grocery stores which I have not seen in the longest time is like the little shopping carts did you do you remember those like the little child size shopping carts I haven't seen those in so long but that was so fun to me (laughs) I always used to like the ones where um, I feel like they'd be so hard to drive around the store, but like the ones where it's like the grocery cart is attached to like a fire truck or something and you get to ride in the fire truck. Oh my gosh, I know those are so cute. I feel like they still have them out there. I feel like I just haven't seen them as much. I don't know. I don't know what store I need to go to to see these again, but I want to go find them. Shall we transition into talking about what's changed over the years as we've gained more control over our diets? I think mine has kind of been a slow, like, slide, like, kind of like a glacier into being vegetarian. And it started primarily as a texture thing. It wasn't so much a, I love the animals, I don't want to eat animals, which I feel like now it's kind of like, because I haven't eaten meat in that long, like I think that a little more now. But when I started, was like, I don't like chewing this. And so I kind of stopped. Also, when we were little, there was the whole mad cow outbreak. And I mistakenly saw part of it when like the adults were watching the news. And that like freaked me out so much. I was like, that's when I cut out beef because I was like, nope, I don't want to get that. And so then slowly, I've just kind of stopped eating it at all. I For a while, I would eat chicken still, but not pork or beef. I think now it's it's probably like what you do, Layla, where if there's like a dumpling or something with meat in it, some of the more like foods connected to like Chinese cultures, like I'll eat it. Um, but other than that, I don't. I've also more recently because I watched Seaspiracy and it kind of freaked me out. I've kind of been cutting out fish too, except I still do sushi every now and then. But that's kind of where I am now. Yeah, I'm in like a similar place where I mean we ate meat growing up but it wasn't we didn't eat it every single day I would say probably like it wasn't um all the time at every meal and then and I was never a big like I didn't really order it when we went out to dinner that much except like a hamburger or something maybe but it was never like my favorite food or anything like that. Like I wasn't a big meat eater to begin with, but I enjoyed it. And then I think the more opportunities that I started having to cook on my own, like when I was in college and like starting to live on my own and stuff, I realized I had absolutely no desire to cook it for myself, (laughs) Um, which is partially, it's like, was partially a taste preference thing and partially like a raw meat really freaked me out (laughs) thing um I just found that I just wasn't when I was like preparing food for myself I just did not have a desire to like make meat for myself and then the less you eat it like you were saying Leanne the less you want it kind of but I definitely haven't I'm definitely would not call myself a vegetarian I think what was the word like flexitarian or something like that, where I don't prepare it for myself. I don't really order it out. But if I see something that has meat and it looks good to me, 
I'll eat it. Or, you know, especially there's a couple of things that my couple of Lebanese food dishes that my grandmother makes that like, it's just a very specific taste that's really satisfying to me. And I'm going to keep eating it. And, you know, sometimes, or sometimes my, you know, my parents lately have been like getting special like farm raised meat um, from this little farm in Massachusetts. And so I feel a little bit better about eating that too sometimes. Or if I'm at someone's house and they're preparing something, I'll eat it. But yeah, and similar to you, Leanne, I have like various reasons for not eating it. It's like taste, texture, partially emotional <laughs> reasons. Um, yeah, partially like germophobic reasons. But it's it's also interesting because I don't really want to cut it out entirely. So sometimes I feel like I should eat it like once in a while just to kind of keep my stomach uh, open to it because I feel like it, I could go months and months without eating any meat at all. And then if there's something I want to eat, I might not be able to handle it <laughs> if it's meat. So I don't know. I'm still kind of, we're still on the journey, I would say. <laughs> and I, and I'm still definitely on the figuring out how to balance the you get enough protein balance um, that's that's not meat and like making sure I'm having enough protein because that can be a little tricky when you're not eating meat and you haven't had that much experience <laughs> cooking for yourself. I should say I always like loved cooking and being in the kitchen and baking. So I, I've always been cooking since I was like little, but it's you know, helping in the kitchen is a lot different than <laughs> meal planning and preparing meals for yourself entirely on your own. So. so I can definitely see what you two are saying about like wanting to transition away from meat. And I see that. I respect that. Personally, I feel like I still eat meat. It's not like I eat it every day like you all were saying. Like I don't eat it every day, but like if I meal prep something that's going to have meat in it, I'll be eating that for pretty much like half or more of the week. But I totally feel what you're saying, Layla, where it's like touching raw meat kind of grosses me out. <laughs> Sometimes like if my boyfriend is over and we're cooking together, I'll be like, hey, do you want to cut the chicken for me? <laughs> I don't want to touch it. And so he'll do that for me, which is super nice of him. I, I greatly appreciate that. But I can definitely see what you guys are saying about like wanting to transition away from meat because I do think there's just something like kind of unsettling about handling raw meat. And also like knowing where it comes from and like the processes it's gone through to get to your table. And I feel like I kind of struggle with a lot of those same things that you all were talking about, where it's like, if you do want to transition away from meat, like how can you still get the protein? Because it's going to be through beans and legumes and things like lentils. But I feel like I don't know that many recipes that use those. Or like I haven't maybe like found the recipes that I like that use those. I have a couple, but not that many. And so I feel like if I had more recipes that use those more frequently, it would be easier for me to get away from meat. For now, I still eat meat. Again, mostly chicken. Sometimes I'll have some salmon if I'm feeling really fancy. Very occasionally, like maybe once a month. If that, I'll have beef, but I don't eat beef very often. But yeah. I also really like tofu. I found out for those of you who are like looking into tofu, you really need to press it first. Like if you don't press it first, it's not going to be good. So I don't know. What have you guys, what has your experience been like using tofu? Do you like it? Do you not like it? What are your feelings? 
Yeah, I like it. I uh, It's definitely like you have to find the ways that you like it, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like, I feel like it is a little bit like individual still. Like, I've tried a lot of methods for like frying it or baking it. And a lot of those just don't <laughs> really work. And I almost enjoy it more when it's just, it's not trying so hard to be meat. It's just like, you're kind of enjoying it on its own for its own flavor. So like a soup that has like the soft tofu in it, I really enjoy. Or like I've made like a tofu scramble or things like that. So I, you know, I still do make like the, like a little bit of pan fried tofu in like a bowl or something like that, but I don't eat it that often, but yeah, when I do, I'm still figuring out a little bit. I think a lot of people when they cut out meat, they start worrying about protein. And I obviously like don't know that much. Like I'm not a nutritionist, but like from what I've read is like, if you know what you're doing and you don't eat meat, you're going to have just enough protein. Like you're going to be fine. Um, I think the trick is like finding those recipes that you like. And I think specifically with tofu, a lot of people don't like tofu, but I personally think the problem with tofu is that bad tofu is really bad. It's just like bland and disgusting. And so if someone has that as their first experience with tofu, they're never going to want to eat it again. So I think you really do have to, um, A, like Kaylee said, press it and B, marinating it helps a lot because it's like you press out all the, as we said in a different episode, the tofu juice. (laughs) And then when you marinate it, it's like since you squeezed all that out, it soaks it all up and then it tastes really good. So, and I think like you were saying, Layla, it's like you, when you eat it, you have to eat it as in like, I am eating tofu to eat tofu. Like you can't eat tofu and expect it to like, I don't know, taste like a steak. Like it's just not going to do it. I feel like with getting enough protein, like sometimes I can get a little bit stuck in the mindset of like having like vegetables, carbs, meat, like meat or protein source, right? But like getting protein doesn't have to mean like having a chunk, for lack of a better word, of protein. Like peas have protein, right? So like if you make like a soup that has like you know, some peas in it, like you're getting protein or like putting like nut butter or nuts on something that that's not a lot of protein. But like, if you add like, multiple things together that have small amounts of protein, that's also getting protein, like you don't have to have like your, the, the equivalent of like a piece of chicken breast, like on your plate, you can have like, a lot of different things that like come together to make like your total And like throughout the day too, like not just like meal by meal um, to get your like total protein intake. I feel like I do want to do a little bit more research to like make sure I am doing it right. (laughs) Like I think I'm doing a good, okay job, but like maybe I should be like doing a little research to make sure. I feel like another thing is too, like one of the things that I found is if I don't have protein, sometimes I get like hungry really quickly. And so like, that's part of the reason why I still eat some meat, but in meals that I don't necessarily have a lot of protein in, I find that sometimes it's nice to like lean into having more like healthy fats in that, like having avocado, or like you said, putting like a nut butter because those are more like calorically dense foods. So those will help to keep you full. So if you're somebody who's like looking to get away from meat, like that would be my two cents to you is also like, don't forget about your healthy fats. Don't sleep on those. And Don't be scared of them just because they're labeled as fats. 
I think that's a good point. Over the winter break, I got into watching this YouTube channel. I think it's Rainbow Plant Life. So the majority of her stuff is vegan. But one thing that I thought was interesting from what she was saying is like, you want to make sure you have like a protein source, so a bean, tofu, something like that. But also you need to incorporate a healthy fat into the meal because that's what's going to keep you full for longer. And I feel like people demonize eating fat, which I understand in excessive amounts or say like, if you only get it from cookies or potato chips. Like, I can see how that's bad, but it's like, if in moderation you have some avocado on your salad or something, like, you're going to be fine. It's going to be okay. Yeah, like, you'd need fat. Everybody needs some fat (laughs) fat to live. (laughs) I will say, I also, like, realize, I want to say, like, a bit of a, like, something I want to say earlier is, like, I don't, I'm not trying to, like, tell anybody what they should eat really <laughs> like I don't feel like I don't feel like I need to convince anybody of anything really it's just my preference like this meat like ratio in my life is just like kind of my personal preference and like do I think is it do I have opinions about society overall like our consumption of meat absolutely but <laughs> when it comes to like an individual like I don't have like any judgments basically towards anyone's desire to eat or not eat meat i agree i think that that's a good point to make so like if you're listening to this podcast and you're somebody who likes to eat meat or doesn't like to eat meat just know like this is not us judging you that was never our intention and i think something to touch on that's important aside from meat too is the amount of vegetables you eat because i don't know about you guys but like i feel like that's something that's very important to what i eat I would say even more so than like meat versus no meat. I think about like, okay, does my meal have a vegetable? Because it's really important for me to have a vegetable because one, it's healthier to have vegetables, obviously. And two, because this is probably going to be TMI, but like, otherwise, if you don't have vegetables, it's going to be really hard for you to poop. (laughs) So like, you need your fiber in your life. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely feel like, off if I don't have a vegetable just like in general like I feel not satisfied or like fulfilled (laughs) well I have two points one relating to one that says slightly earlier is I think one thing that's kind of annoying when you don't eat meat is everyone thinks you're just like a super overly pushy on like some sort of moral crusade and like you think you're better than people who eat meat which I feel like definitely some people do that where they're like oh I'm better than you because I don't eat meat but it's also annoying like for me because like I don't really care so much what other people do but when you're like oh I'm vegetarian or something like that sometimes you get like the look like oh are you gonna start yelling at me for eating my hamburger or something I think for me personally it's easier not to be like lecturing people about it because a that's just not how I operate. But B is I started or I stopped eating meat based on a texture thing. And so it didn't start as a emotional like, oh, don't kill animals or we're ruining the planet, that kind of thing. Because I think those things are obviously both true. Like that's what meat is and also the like the cost it has on the environment to produce it. But like when you start from a texture thing, you're like, oh, well, I don't like the texture. Someone else does. Like, why do I care? Yeah. And also in regards to that, I feel like, too, something that is important when we're talking about like vegetarians and vegans and when they go to eat food with other people, like you said, if you're somebody who is selectively vegetarian, where you're like, 
well, I'm mostly vegetarian, but like, I'm not going to say absolutely not whenever I see meat. I think that that's also like kind of a different thing because I can see where people get frustrated if it's like, I invited you over to my house for this party and there's nothing you can eat. And I get that that's a personal choice both ways, but I think that that's kind of where a lot of that frustration comes from when people are like, I'm so frustrated with vegetarians or vegans because I invite them over to my house and everybody's able to eat, but they're not able to eat. And so I think that, you know, it could be a little bit different if you are somebody who's like, I'm mostly vegetarian, but like occasionally, like if I'm put in a situation where there is meat, I'm not going to forego all of my eating just because of that, I guess, is kind of what I wanted to say. I feel like I'm not saying this right, but I hope that you guys get the general point. No, I get it. And like, yeah, I mean, that's like why for me, I'm like, if something looks good to me, I'm just going to eat it. And if it doesn't look good to me, I'm not going to eat it. And I also, I feel like because of various like dietary stuff in my family, I'm like hyper aware of like being accommodating, (laughs) especially because like, it's like life or death, like not for the vegetarianism, but like for allergies and stuff um, and like food intolerances. And so I just get, I'm like hyper aware and I'm like, why isn't everybody like this, <laughs> this aware? And like, why can't we just like accommodate everybody? <laughs> I think this is interesting because I think obviously people have been doing less dinner socializing over the last couple of years. And I think definitely before the pandemic started, I was that person where like, if I went to a family member's house and let's say they made chicken, I would eat it. But it was definitely like I was getting to the point where I was kind of forcing it down. And then I feel like now because it's been two years of like not having to do that at all, where I'm kind of like, I don't think I would be able to eat it. Like I just because I think I'm further down the path than either of you are, because I really literally only eat meat if it's in like a Chinese dumpling or when I go to Texas and I saw a brisket sandwich. Um, But like that was the first time I had beef in like over a decade or something. But my thing, I think relating to the texture thing is like if someone was like, oh, I use chicken broth in that. And if I'm there, I'm like, I'll eat it. You didn't have vegetable broth. I don't care. But like, would I necessarily want to eat like a chicken stir fry? Maybe not. So I guess my question to you then is because like you said, sometimes it's really hard to be in those situations where it's like the thing that's being served is meat. Would you ever like eat before you go or like just kind of eat the side dishes? Like, how do you navigate that? I think within my social circle, pretty much everyone knows I don't eat meat. So like in that situation, it's not as bad. I have no problem eating sides. That's how I go through Thanksgiving. Even when I ate meat, I would have like the little tiniest piece of turkey that was on the platter and like a whole plate of sides. And I think also like eating before isn't that big of a deal. But I think also like Layla's saying is like, if you want to be a good family member or a good friend or something, like be accommodating. Like when I had some new people over for a game night, like we were texting about like, oh, what to bring, what to eat. And we're like, oh, no allergies, but like I eat mostly vegetarian. I just say I'm vegetarian now because I feel like it's easier saying like, because I feel like I'm 90%, 98% vegetarian. But it was like that thing where it's like when you are having someone over for the first time is like, just ask ahead of time, be like, any allergies, any food restrictions? What do you like? And I think it's just like, I don't know, it's just like a courtesy thing, not so much of a for example, it's like if we're out to dinner and you order a thing of meat, I don't care because like I'm at a place where I can get stuff. Yeah. And I also feel like in in the sense of it's a courtesy thing, it does like have to share the responsibility is on you as the guest. Like 
if they don't ask and you don't say, I don't eat meat, like then you can't expect like them to accommodate you once you're already there. So like I'd, I haven't been telling people like I don't eat meat when I go over their house. And so like that means that I'll usually, I mean, not all the time, but most of the time I'll just eat the meat when it's, when it's there. Not that I've been going out that many places, but <laughs> like, I feel it is like on you too, to say, like, if you have a restriction or if you don't, if you're committed to not eating meat and you know, you're definitely not going to eat it. Like you got to give the heads up <laughs> as the guest, I think. I feel like it's a communication thing, like both ways. Like I feel like if you're a host, it's the nice thing to do, especially if like you haven't had someone over before. Like if you had them over, you know what they eat. Like I feel like you don't have to ask. Like I feel like the person would bring it up if their diet changed. But I feel like it's nice to ask. But also it's like if you know you're going to a new person's house for a meal and they don't say anything like and you can be like, I don't know, kind of low key about it where you're like, I don't know what you're planning to make, but like I don't really eat meat like and then. Even like if you feel awkward about telling someone what to make at their own house, I feel like you could also offer like, I can eat before if that's a problem, but like, so you know, and if you feel like making something, I don't know. I feel like if you're going to be friends or something, I wouldn't want to be friends with someone who's just like, no, I'm going to purposely make steaks now. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to make like a host like feel bad or like feel like they're caught off guard. But yeah, but that's like... I definitely haven't really been, I just like, (laughs) when I get invited, I'm like, yeah, I'll eat whatever. (laughs) I'll eat anything. Yeah. I feel like it's very much what you all are saying, where it's like a communication thing where you need to just kind of like let them know beforehand. Or like you said, to be a good host, like ask your people who you're inviting, be like, hey, anything you can, can't eat, prefer not to eat, et cetera. Like, let me know so that I can be accommodating to that. And if it comes to the point where like, let's say you have people who are all across the spectrum, like as a host, then I would say, just say, Hey, like, you know, can everybody just bring like a small thing and we can do like a potluck style. And I feel like that's like a fair thing to ask. If you realize like I personally cannot meet everybody's accommodations. I think for me too, is at this point in time, I think it helps that I'm not vegan because I, and by I, I mean, I asked Kyle to just make a lasagna and like literally everyone I know will eat a lasagna. Yeah. Or like if you're somebody who's like diehard, like it must have meat, like you put some meat on half of the lasagna and the other half you leave it cheese and then it's totally fine. Like there are definitely accommodations that you can make to help people out. This is um this is a side note, but it's a pro tip. Um, <laughs> we started putting um frozen peas in lasagna, and it's really good because <laughs> like it it gives it like a te- it's like an added texture. So it's like a little bit of like peas have like a satisfying texture. It's protein and vegetables like all in one. Highly recommend. <laughs> I think that kind of relates to what you guys were saying earlier about making sure you have your vegetables with your meals because I think people equate vegetarianism and veganism with like being super healthy almost that like earthy crunchy like I don't cook my food vibe but it's actually really easy to be an unhealthy vegetarian or something because like absolutely (laughs) if you think about it not all of them but I feel like a lot of chips like you could just have pasta all the time like it doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna be healthy like I think 
emphasizing the vegetables is definitely a good point. And I think vegetables are almost like tofu, where some people are like, oh, I don't like vegetables. And I think Leo and I have talked about it when it's like, well, have you roasted them? If you just steam them, they're not always going to be the best. But if you roast them... Have you put garlic on your vegetables before? (laughs) Yeah, because I think a lot of people, which I do it too, because during the week, sometimes I'm lazy and like you throw the frozen vegetables in the microwave with some salt. But it's like, try roasting them. I swear. Yeah. I mean, I personally, like. I also like... I will enjoy like frozen vegetables with olive oil and salt. Like I'm here for it. And like you can put salt and fat on your vegetables and it still can be good for you. I actually really agree with that. I remember when I was in college, because we had no AC, sometimes I would just sit there and I would eat frozen peas and my roommates would like make fun of me a little bit for it because they were like, Haley, like, why are you doing that? And I was like, it's good. It's cold and it's vegetables and it's good. Okay. (laughs) So you'd eat them cold. Like not yeah because we had no ac so i would just be like roasting and i'd be like i need something cold (laughs) who needs ice cream you can just eat some frozen peas yeah that's funny i was wondering if there's anything that you two would like to change about your diets or are you happy where you are now yeah i mean i mentioned this a little bit earlier like i think that i should do a little bit of research into like what is the appropriate amount of uh protein for like a person my size and my activity level like and just you know not so I'm like counting grams of protein every day but just so I have like a general sense so I think I want to like just do a little bit of research and then you know just I think like we can you can always get better at cooking <laughs> it's always a goal because you know I think the the more like trying something new, like all the time is just, it's tiring and it's stressful. So, but I want to have sort of more things in the rotation that I can kind of like do mindlessly, but are still like, I really enjoy and are really tasty because I love cooking, but I, I can't do like something super complicated every day. Like I just can't. And so sometimes when you're looking for an easy meal, it's like, a little bit harder to get the the balance. I won't even say healthy, like a balanced meal. So I feel like also, you know, finding those like simple but balanced and re- still really enjoyable meals are I definitely want to do more of. I feel like I agree with that where it's like I want to find a little bit more balance. Like you said, I'd like to explore a little bit more like plant-based protein. I feel like sometimes I just have trouble doing that. So if Again, if you guys know of any good like plant-based protein recipes, like please send them my way because like I said, I don't really like to touch raw meat and so I would like to have more options for when I don't want to do that. I'd also like to go back to I used to make a lot of sweets with dates and I kind of want to pick that up again just because I feel like it's a healthier way to have something sweet. And then I'd also just kind of like to try to phase out a little bit more um milk products. Because I think sometimes I'm a little bit like lactose sensitive. And so I think it would be nice to kind of phase those out. I think what's interesting is I think where you two are with your meat, no meat journey, I feel like I'm kind of approaching that point with like the animal products where it's like the more I think about it, when you hear about like industrial farming, like it just kind of really disturbs me. And I think my mindset used to be, oh, well, if you have milk or eggs or something, they don't kill them. But then it's like, once you read some of the stuff, it's still not 
great. And I think personally, I could easily cut out milk and then yogurt because like I don't particularly like yogurt to begin with. And I literally only have milk in my tea. So I feel like that could be easy. I don't think I could cut out eggs completely um, because A for baking, like I feel like they just kind of work better. I don't know. I haven't done that much with egg substitutes. I know people use flax meal or something, but I think definitely with like dairy products, no matter, at least as of right now, no matter how far I see myself going down that road is I'm not going to go to someone's house and not eat the cake because they use an egg. Yeah, I I mean, right now I'm relying on dairy and eggs like for protein and for calcium. And so that's like an important part of my diet right now. And I also, like I said, I have some experience with the dairy alternatives and like, I'm just not, I'm not there yet. But I, I also like, I, you know, I have this like privilege to do this, to like spend the extra couple of dollars on the like cage-free eggs and like the organic milk and stuff, which are still not perfect systems, but like, I'm willing to like spend my money on that right now. And that's like, you know, I, that's like a privilege that I have, but I just, you know, because there's some, there's some uh, environmental problems with some of the plant-based stuff too. So there's, it's, it's hard to say like, what's like ultimately like either healthier or like better for the environment. But if it's your personal preference, like you should do whatever you want, but yeah, I don't know. I'm still, I'm, I'm not at your level for dairy. <laughs> I mean, I think it, it depends on the reasons why you're doing it. Like if you're talking about environmentally almond milk, there's a lot of water involved in producing that so like you're saying from an environmental standpoint they all have their own things but then if you're coming from like i don't know the poor little cow standpoint an almond is not gonna have that problem although kyle likes to tell me that the vegetables are like don't eat me and i was like they don't do that <laughs> i also i will say like I, I do try to buy like the organic milk but i've tried the like grass-fed milk and i swear you can like taste the grass like it's I can't do the gra- the grass fed milk is a no go for me. So I'm like I'm hoping that this like organ it says organic like I'm it has like cows on the front like I'm hoping they treat the cows right but like I can't go as far as the grass fed because I don't want to drink grass. I think also the the thing is is like to where I am now like this literally started I'd say when I was like eight you know and it's like a slow transition I think people who are considering cutting out meat or something like that is like just do one thing at a time because if you jump all in it's going to be overwhelming and then you're just gonna i don't know i would probably just fail out but if you're like okay i'm gonna cut out pork this month and then like maybe in a few months you cut out beef and like just kind of take your time and something that i would say too is like keep in mind that like your diet does not have to ultimately have an end goal Like you can be on a sliding spectrum of like, okay, like I want to try this. Okay, this isn't working for me anymore. Maybe I need to try this. And I think that that's important to note is like it's a very individual thing. Like you find what works for you and that might not be what works for someone else. And that's okay. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's definitely like you should be focusing on what like makes you feel good, like emotionally and physically. So 
if you don't want to be thinking about like the animals, like don't go <laughs> near the animals. If, you know, something is upsetting your stomach or you're not getting enough protein, focus on that. But like, it's definitely, diet is so individual and like, it definitely fluctuates. And like, as we get older, it's going to change. And if we have families, like that's going to, or, you know, our active levels are going to fluctuate across our lifetimes. And so it's definitely like an ever evolving process. (laughs) I think with that too, is like, sometimes someone's eating something or not eating something. I feel like it's also important to be aware that some of that might not be preference. Some of them might be like, your doctor says you can't have this or the doctor says you should be eating this. So don't kind of be like, oh, why are you eating that? You know, because it's like, you don't know, like a lot of these things are preference, like say like you don't want to eat meat or some people cut out, I don't know, gluten. And it's like sometimes there's medical reasons. So it's just, I don't know, people just don't be judgy. And also economic reasons. Certain things are really expensive. (laughs) And so you got to eat within your budget too. There's a lot of factors. Location. Yeah. And I think not judging people for like what they're eating or how they're eating is an important thing to like. Yeah. Cause like, for example, kind of like you said, Layla, like if someone's budget doesn't allow for them to go and get like everything organic, their diet might look kind of different from yours. And that's okay. It might not be where they want it to be, but hopefully one day they can get it there. Yeah, like we we could have a whole nother podcast about like food systems, like global food systems and the global food economy. But that's like a different thing. Like individual diet is a lot different. It's a lot different of a conversation than like global food systems. Yeah, that's true. I will also say like something that we didn't really touch on was like timing of eating, which I feel like is important especially once you start living you're cooking for yourself and so you're you're controlling the time and I feel like that's something that I want to change is trying to not eat like right before like not have a snack right before I go to bed or something like that (laughs) but I don't know because like something that happens to me is like I I don't know like I don't really eat like that big of like a portion size like I'm more of like a eat like snacks throughout the day and like smaller portions but like if i'll eat dinner sometimes i'll be like hungry at 10 o'clock or something like maybe i need to be eating more (laughs) like maybe i need like i have to eat more like at dinner so that i'm not eating at like 10 30 like for you know eating snacks at 10 30 they're just like affecting my sleep probably yeah I think I usually eat enough at dinner that that doesn't happen but sometimes if your meals are thrown off like let's say you have more of like a brunch meal and then you have like an earlier dinner and then it gets to that point where it's like eight o'clock and I was like I know if I don't eat I'm gonna wake up at two in the morning hungry but I'm not hungry yet and so I think definitely timing is something you need to keep on top of or sometimes if you're busy you kind of just forget to eat or you don't eat because you're like, oh, I'll eat when I finish this. Yeah. Or if I eat when I'm like, if I'm really, really hungry and I eat, like sometimes it's like, I get like a spit of a stomach ache because my stomach is was like empty and then it got food and it like freaked out. <laughs> so like, I shouldn't always wait until you're like starving to eat either. That's so true. Because also when I do that, I eat too fast mm-hmm. and then I feel like I definitely overeat because I'm so hungry. Mm-hmm. I I feel that. I don't know. I feel like normally as of late, I've been eating like a brunch at like 11 and then I'll eat between the hours of like four and six for my dinner. 
unless there's some event that happens that day where I can't eat till later, which on those days I get very sad because I don't like eating that late. Shall we wrap up with our hot takes? Yeah. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to make them food related. So mine's food related, but I feel like it's not that hot because I kind of forgot that I had to come up with one until like two hours before recording. Um, But mine is desserts overrated. I, <laughs> well, I have, I have like two separate thoughts about this. One is like, if you're taught, if, if you've considered dessert, like a piece of cake or like an ice cream sundae, then I will tend to agree with you. But like, I always, almost always want something, some sort of little treat, like at night. So that could be like a piece of chocolate, um, an orange, uh, I don't know, <laughs> uh, like a, you know, half a piece of banana bread. I don't know what, but like, I, I always want something. Often it's like a, a, a couple pieces of chocolate or something like that. I don't need to have like full dessert every day, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I feel like if you're talking dessert, like you said, in terms of cake, like, do I want cake every day? No, that would, no, definitely not. But like, would I like a little bit of chocolate on the daily? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I also, I love baking and I like dessert and I like sweets, but I definitely, I would say I probably have more of a salt tooth than a sweet tooth. Yeah. I think a lot of this comes from, I'm definitely more savory. I prefer things savory. Now, the past like month or so, I've definitely been enjoying my desserts, like brownies and cookies and stuff like that. I just think it's kind of overrated in the sense of, I think maybe the smaller desserts that you guys are talking about where you're like, oh, I want a piece of chocolate. Like, I don't know if you want to do that. That's fine. But like, I would, if I have a meal that I really like, I would almost rather have spent the calories on eating a second portion of that than spend the calories on a cake. I feel like it depends on what meal it is. Like you said, if it's a meal that's really good, okay, I could see that. But like, if it's a meal that I'm like, it was okay, I'm like, I could have like a, a small dessert afterwards. Like not, not anything huge, but like, like you said, like a piece of like banana bread or something like that. I think also like I tend to be like, oh, like I'm eating my dinner and then I want something sweet like two hours later, like not right after. So if I was like still hungry after dinner, like right after dinner, I'd probably just eat more dinner. <laughs> but like when it's like 10 o'clock, I would want probably just like my couple pieces of like chocolate or like, you know, my, if I've, if I've baked something, I'll have like whatever I baked or like a cookie or something. And it's almost like a snack. <laughs> yeah. I think mine is like, say someone makes a dessert, like I'll eat them when they're there, but if they're not there, I don't know. I'm, I feel like I'm not like you two in the sense of like, I need something sweet every day. Like, I don't know. I think I stress eat sweets, but like, if I'm not stressed, then I'm like, honestly, I feel like I could go weeks without eating like a sweet. See, I almost feel like it's a little like brain signal to me that it's the end of the day is like having my like dessert. It's like, yep, you're at the end of the day. You're close to sleepy time. <laughs> Here's your sugar. <laughs> Yeah, I think that a lot of it's like a habit routine thing. Like, I think For sure, yeah. like we've talked about before is like making your tea in the morning kind of thing where 
unlike coffee, I feel like tea doesn't necessarily have enough caffeine to like give you the jolt, but it's like part of the thing where it's like, oh, my brain knows it's time to get up and do things because I made Mm -hmm. my tea. Yeah, I think like you said, though, it could also be like due to stress, Leanne, because I feel like if I've had a really stressful day, I'm definitely more likely to be like, I would like a sweet because I'm so stressed. (laughs) So I feel like that's something that I personally need to work on is making sure that I don't do that. But I feel like that's probably like when I would be more likely to have a sweet rather than like necessarily on the daily. It would probably be more so like if I'm particularly stressed that day. And just a disclaimers, it doesn't mean I'm anti-cake. I do enjoy <laughs> cake. I just feel like I'm never going to be that person that, oh, a meal isn't complete unless I eat dessert. So, Layla, what was your hot take? Um, well, I came up with this very quickly, so I feel like it's not the best hot take. But um, the one that I just like jotted down before we started was like that spice mixes are useful. And this is, I feel like this is a hot take because I feel like like a spice cabinet, like sometimes you get stuff as like gifts and like stuff to, or you get something for like one recipe and your spice cabinet just like expands and you're like, how do I even use like, what do I even use this for or something like that. But as I've been like trying <laughs> more different things and like trying more recipes and stuff or like inventing my own recipes, I've just found that like pre-made spice blends, I guess blends is like the word that you would use like it's just like a really easy way to get a lot of flavor into a meal and then you don't have to like necessarily it's like it makes you less reliant on recipes I feel like because when you're using sometimes when you're using individual spices you're like I don't know what ratio of things I should use to make this balanced but if it's like pre-mixed in a mix then it's just like it's already like a f- pre-created flavor profile that you can just add into something. It's plain and it like makes it 10 times better. I feel like I agree with what you're saying. My question to you though is, do you prefer to like buy them pre-made or make them yourself? I would just say like, I don't know. I feel like it takes a little bit of extra like planning to make them yourself. Like you need to get some jars and you need to like find one. But like, specifically like i'll go to trader joe's and and, like i'll be like that looks cool and then (laughs) i'll just like use that or like we have a a, actually i think they have like national stores but this place called penzi's like they have a lot of really good mixes that i like to use and i don't know like i feel like there's like a little bit of a conception that your spice cabinet just gets like cluttered with these mixes and then they never get used if you're because if you're like relying on recipes a lot, you're like never going to use the mix. You're only going to use the individual spice. But if you're like doing more improv cooking, <laughs> then the spice mixes are really helpful, I feel like. Well, this reminds me of I forget. I think it might have been one of the uh, dinner party recipes where Kayla and I both had to go out and buy mustard seeds. I got the smallest container they had. And have I touched it since? No. And I was like, and we were both like, we need more recipes so we can use this, these mustard seeds. I have a mustard seed recipe for you. I'll send it to you later. Yes, please. It's this like, it was, it's, it's like butternut squash um, soup. Oh, that's real. It's like curried butternut squash soup. It's really good. <laughs> so I'll send it. We need it because it just reminds me. It's that that thing is if you buy a spice. For example, I mean, the good thing is I use this recipe a lot, but 
Not sure which one's coming out first, so this may be a spoiler alert, but I have a like a tofu scramble recipe, but one of the tips is to use Indian black salt because it gives it the like sulfury mm. eggy taste. And so I bought it on Amazon, which luckily I like the recipe, so I'll use the rest of it. But I was like, if I didn't, I have this whole jar of Indian black salt that I don't know what to do with. So luckily it worked out, but I feel like that can be a problem if you're buying for a specific recipe a new spice. Yeah, for sure. And also, I feel like it's definitely like sometimes you get like gifts of spices and like because you you didn't go out and buy it, you're like not like thinking about how to use it. It's just kind of sitting there. But it's like, just go for it. (laughs) You know, spices make things taste so much better. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, Layla, kind of like you're saying, the spice blends are really nice for if you want to like try to experiment with a new thing. So I feel like when you're trying to like try out something new, those are really good. I feel like once I've tried out a spice blend that I like, though, that's when I kind of start to make it on my own. For example, like taco seasoning. I'm like, I might make that on my own because I know that I like it. But like, if I'm not sure that I like it, then I'm like, I will probably go and buy the blend first before I make it because I feel like when you make it on your own, there tends to be a lot. Whereas like, you can get like a manageable like spice jar just to try it out and see if you like it first. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, if you're going to use it a lot, it definitely will ultimately be, like, cheaper to make it yourself, too. But then I feel like there's, like, I use that Trader Joe's, like, everything but the bagel seasoning a lot. And I feel like there's so many, like, I don't know where to get, like, dehydrated garlic and onion. So I'm just going to keep buying the Trader Joe's one. Also, I feel like the thing with Trader Joe's is half the appeal of Trader Joe's is the spice blends and, like, their frozen section. Also their snack section. Like- yeah, but I I feel like when people go to Trader Joe's, they may buy an onion if you, they need it, but nobody's making a trip to Trader Joe's for the produce. See, that's interesting because the other day I was in Trader Joe's and I was looking around and I was like, I feel like this would be a really difficult place to get your staples at, but they always have a lot of like good, interesting things. See, I, I think they do have good staples actually because like they're, they're like prices on their staples are like pretty good like olive oil salt like things like that i feel like they have like it's like good quality for a pretty good price like it's you know it's like not like as fancy as some places but it's like you know you're getting like a a pretty good quality something we are not sponsored by trader joe's but if they ever felt like it i would not mind at all yeah hit up the pod (laughs) trader joe's (laughs) You know, we have, um, I think, 13 listeners a week. So, you know, you'll get some business. I love Trader Joe's so much. (laughs) What's yours, Kaylee? What do you have? So my hot take was homemade pasta sauce is not that difficult or time consuming. The reason why I say this is because I made homemade pasta sauce the other week because I had leftover heavy whipping cream from like a recipe that I made like a little bit ago. And I was like, I don't really envision myself using the rest of this but I need to use the rest of it up. And I was like debating. I was like, could I put coconut cream instead of heavy whipping cream into my pasta sauce? And I was like, I don't know. I was like, let me try it with the heavy whipping cream first because I've never done this before. Let me try it that way. And then I'll try it with the heavy cream, like not the heavy cream. I'll try it with the uh, coconut cream next time and see like what the difference is and see how that goes. So that was kind of my plan with that. But it wasn't even that hard because all you need are like crushed tomatoes And then like a little bit of like milk or heavy whipping cream if you want like a cream sauce, like a tomato cream. Yeah, I like agree with that. I've never made like a creamy tomato sauce. Like I've never put like cream or anything, but like my 
mom like never bought tomato sauce like growing up so like I that was like one of the first things I learned how to make because it's so easy so it's like <laughs> it's one of the earliest like things that I knew how to do and I think uh like you can add different like things but essentially like you know the way she taught me to make it all you need is like garlic <laughs> tomatoes um you know salt olive oil a little wine but um you know and you can add like onion or not or something like that but I agree that it's very easy and I also think you should like make it in a big batch and freeze it because it is easy and it's not super time consuming, but it's like, it's a little, like you have to spend like some time on it. But if you make a big batch and you freeze it and then like you're frozen, you have like really good frozen tomatoes like sauce that you can just take out and heat up and it's really quick. Yeah, I agree that it's super easy. I do the just the onions, garlic. Yeah. Throw in the tomatoes, some wine, whatever. Um, but I also agree that it's like just enough effort that you're not gonna do it on a Tuesday night. Yeah. Well also like you have to have like a uh like permanent stash in your pantry of like tomatoes, which like I don't always have. But the good thing is is actually they're they're down here. So I'll just show you, even though no one else can see them. Um, but I got these off Amazon and they're freezer cubes. I want to get those. Yeah. These ones are called super cubes. But what I like about them is that is that they have a lid because a lot of times I just use like a plastic bag or not plastic bag, a Ziploc bag and like lay it flat. But then you can't really put anything on top of it till it's frozen. And these, it has a lid so you can just stack stuff right away and then you can either keep it in this or when they're done. You can pop them in a Ziploc. And I feel like it makes it so much easier to freeze stuff that you don't have to wait till it's done. That's a good, like, portion size, too. Because, like, the, my thing with tomato sauce is, like, when I make it, it's, like, if I made it for myself, it'd be enough for me to eat, like, all week. And I love pasta and sauce, but I don't want to eat it every single day for a week. But, like, the that, like, tray that you showed Leanne was, like, our, that would be, like, a really good portion size for, like just to pop out like one portion of sauce to have like it for one night. I think they're about a cup. So that's yeah. nice too. You can also put, I want to put soup in them. I mean, now it's getting mm. warmer. But in the winter, if you make extra soup and you can put soup in there and it's great for those nights when you come back and you're like, I don't want to cook. And then you're like, should I order out? And then you have something in the freezer and it saves you. I feel like too, just in general, having things that you've made like frozen in, in your freezer is like such a lifesaver. Like if you know that you're going to have a busy couple months, like be proactive, freeze some of your meals. It'll, you will be so glad you did. Yeah. Especially I just feel like meal prepping is good. It's like good to make things or sometimes like if you're cooking for yourself, making a regular recipe is basically meal prepping because you have like a week's worth of food. But like, I personally get kind of bored if I'm eating the same exact thing every single day. So if you like, you can use your freezer to your advantage to like prep stuff in advance, but like still have like different things every night. The only trick is make sure it doesn't get lost in the back because I've right. definitely <laughs> had those moments where you're digging around and you're like, well, how long has this been in here? Should I still eat it? Yeah. I'm like still, I went like way overboard last time I went to Trader Joe's. So I've like tried to, I'm trying to clean out instead of add in right now. (laughs) I know like something that my parents will sometimes do is they'll put a little piece of tape with like the date on it if they freeze something or if they like have it in the fridge, just so they know like what date that they opened it or like what date it was made. And that's really helpful. 
I've been trying to start doing that (laughs) because like I lose track of things so like of when I open things so fast like I'm like I'll remember and then I never remember (laughs) well thank you for joining us our next book club will be made in Korea by Sarah Suk and that will be dropping on May 2nd thank you for joining us Layla it's been fun we hope you enjoyed our discussion on our eating habits how they've kind of changed over time maybe you've got a couple tips If you have any tips you'd like to share with us, feel free to send us an email or DM us on Instagram. And don't forget to rate Zillennial Podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can find us at Zillennials Podcast on Instagram or email us at zillennialspodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to hit the subscribe button and stay a while. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.